Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. This podcast is brought to you in association with IG Trading and Investments. It was gritty, it was gripping, at times it was gobsmacking. In the end, Australia prevailed in the second semi-final at Eden Gardens, which Simon Mann, you were at, and so were about 50,000 people as well. It was a superb crowd who were all on absolute tenterhooks until the last moments when... Pat Cummins calmly slotted the ball through the covers to give Australia victory by three wickets and put them, Simon, in their eighth World Cup final. Incredible. They've won five and they've lost two, remember, back in 75 and in 1996 in India. Yeah, it was a a really excellent game of cricket. What they tried to do, they tried to recreate the 1999 semi-final, didn't they? 212 South Africa, 215 uh, for seven Australia. They had a go at creating the, the tied match, the famous tied match of 1999. Uh, wasn't quite to be, but it was a very good game of cricket. And, you know, let's make no bones about it. South Africa did not choke here. It was a, a, a really tough, hard-fought game. You know, they recovered from 24 for four. They probably just, well, they didn't, didn't they? They didn't have enough runs. Another 20 or 30. And this would have been a, a really tough chase for Australia on a used pitch that made for actually a, a very exciting game. I mean, you might have been a very exciting game if it had been a flat pitch and a, you know, a new surface, but this was a used surface and it was, goodness me, it was hard work for the batters. Actually, um, you say that they tried to recreate the 1999 semi-final. Well, it was almost exactly the same number of runs as well, wasn't it? Because it was 213, played 213 in that game in 99 and today 212. Uh, so the target was 213. 13 to win and amazing really uncanny how these sort of figures seem to mirror themselves many years later an extraordinary game where the bowlers well well, did hold sway for for much of the time 
I just think in the end, Australia just had that little bit of extra discipline and uh, they, they were so focused at the start that that opening spell, particularly by Josh Hazelwood, I thought Mitchell Stark was a bit, a bit of a scattergun, actually. But Josh Hazelwood was immense in that first spell. That really set the tone. And then, of course, Travis Head and, and David Warner with the bat later as well got the Australian reply going. And I, I suppose if you compare those two uh, opening spells, the, the opening 10 overs of each innings, they were the key to it. And we'll, we'll get into that later. The man of the match, Travis, Travis Head, did he deserve it? Because I think the, the innings of the match was David Miller. Mm. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? A magnificent innings from uh, David Miller, 101. It was so perverse, wasn't it? I mean, we all thought you know, it's really important that South Africa batted first because of the, you know, the, the context of this tournament. You know, they've, they've beaten Australia four times in a row batting first. They've done well batting first in this competition. They've struggled batting second. So when the coin came down, Temba Boomer said, yeah, we want to bat first. Australia would have done the same thing. But of course, yeah, this was not a, a, a warm, clear Calcutta uh, afternoon it was humid it was overcast the lights were on there was some rain around it was you know it was a bit like heading leagues so it was in a strange way it sort of felt like a you know good toss to lose and South Africa won it of course they, they, I think they felt compelled uh, to bat first and but it was there was such big pressure on them wasn't it I mean you got two class bowlers with with two new balls under heavy cloud cover under the lights, and it was you know, it was a real, really stiff examination for South Africa's uh, top order, and they they failed that examination, and, and perhaps many teams would. Interesting, see, you know, it'd be interesting to see India out there, wouldn't it? And under those conditions, how they would have dealt with it. So it was a, a stiff examination. South Africa failed it, and ultimately, I suppose that decided the game. Very difficult to win a, a big game like this from 24 for four. I mean, they they tried that absolute damnedest to win it, didn't they, South Africa? And they were yeah, they were reasonably close. I I just felt Australia you know, were in control throughout the day. They just had enough throughout the day. There was never a moment, or re- you know, rarely a moment where you thought South Africa are ahead now. Australia always ahead, and they, they just had enough at the end. Mm. Uh, one thing I particularly noticed, actually, was the way Hazelwood utilised the extra bounce from the members' end, the, the, the commentary box end. Uh, very similar to, and I, I, you know, I may be kind of imagining something here, but uh, when the Netherlands played Bangladesh on the same ground, Eden Gardens, the, the, the Netherlands won the game by excellent bowling, particularly from that member's end where they got a bit of extra bounce. And I, I'm sure you remember there was a, a sort of strange-looking circle on the, on the square during that game, which I asked the groundsman about. It was a sort of green circle, looked like a crop circle, actually, uh, especially from the air. And I asked the groundsman about it and he said, oh, it's an act of God, you know, that's put this sort of area of green on, on the pitch. And th- th- there was a sort of green strip that the uh, Dutch bowlers were hitting and was getting a bit of extra bounce. Well, I could see just a hint of that green strip, which Hazelwood was hitting as well. And it was just enabling the ball just to kick a little bit off the surface and make it make it awkward, which allied to the overcast conditions and the the pitch which had been sweating under the covers for a couple of days, just gave Hazelwood that little bit of, uh, of, a, of assistance, which he utilised brilliantly. So what did he bowl? Eight overs for 12 runs and two wickets. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, just to kind of uh, put it into context, 
there was no shots played against him because his control was so good. And I, I you know, you said what would Howard India have, have dealt with it? Well, they would have tried to take him on. And I, I, I know Quinton de Kock did, and he was caught brilliantly by Pat Cummins running back. But I felt he wasn't fully committed to that shot. It was a bit sort of almost, oh, this is a last resort, rather than right. I'm going to put the emphasis. I'm going to take the to put the pressure back on the bowlers. And I think if it was India they would have been a bit more assertive in this current vein of form that they're showing anyway, this current intent that they're showing. They might have just been a bit more aggressive and might have, have got on top. Not easy, of course, but you know, it needed someone to try and take a bit of initiative. And it was, it was just slightly timid from South Africa, I thought. You know, you didn't take nothing away from the brilliance of especially Hazelwood's bowling. But, you know, in those situations, in a 50-over game, not a test match, a 50-over game, someone has to go in and, and take the initiative. And there was no one really to do that. Mm. Well, it was an extraordinary power play, 18 for two uh, from 10 overs. I mean, I thought De Kock did try to do it. I mean, he, you know, he waited, he bided his time. It was in the sixth over, he only had three when he took it on and he was out. And so, you know, suddenly when your big striker at the top of the order has gone, you, know, you think, what, what do we do? How do we play it here? I don't know. I, I feel those were really testing conditions. It, you know, it's, it's sort of easy to say they should have taken it on. I mean, if they'd gone harder, you know, they might have been 40 for six or something like that. Uh, then the re I mean the rebuilding did come from 24 for four. There was a really good partnership between Classen uh, uh, and, and Miller, and they put on 95. You thought the, the rebuild is on here, and South Africa are right back in this game. And then, would you believe it? I mean, Travis Head comes on and burgles two wickets in an over. I mean, it's extraordinary, really. I mean, the Van der Dusen's uh, sorry, Classen's dismissal was extraordinary. Really. I mean, it just looked like a straight ball. He just got, got a bit inside it. It was, it was a really odd one. And then Marco Janssen, who had a, a pretty poor day, uh, you know, out first ball, you know, right back into his stumps, almost playing French cricket. One spun back in and was LBW. You know, suddenly Travis Head had, had turned the game, you know, decisively Australia's away again. It was 119 for six. And actually, from there, South Africa did pretty well to get up to 212. That was you know, felt about the the limit they can get. But I don't know. I, I'm. I, I hear what you're saying. You know, try mm. to put the pressure back on the the bowling side. But I think it was it was it was really difficult. New ball, class new ball bowling from two, you know, e excellent bowlers. Yeah, I take your point about Mitchell Stark, but he you know he's still capable of bowling you a, a decent ball. What I thought was interesting, you know, Bavuma, you know, his poor tournament continued, didn't it? Uh, it was really weird watching the Australian reaction to Bavuma's dismissal. It was like, yeah, we expected to get him out. But mm. that when they got to cock out, there was a real intense celebration. That was the that was the wicket uh, they were after. Um, yeah, Bavuma, tough, really tough day for him. He was having actually um, physio and, and stretches ten minutes before the toss. He was on the outfield. You know, he's being manipulated by the physio. You know, it's not not a great position to be in. It. You know, one of the biggest matches of your life, trying to lead your country, and you know, you're still thinking about the the hamstring injury that you spent the last week trying to recover from, and you know, it's really difficult to do so. I think he, you know, he knew that he wasn't fit, didn't he? He admitted it at the toss. Well, I'm not going to be that fit, but I've got to get through, which, as you say, is not ideal. Actually, the wicket of Clarsen that, that Travis Head took was, was an interesting one because he bowled a couple of balls before, which had actually turned quite a bit. And there's an insistence from all the modern players to play everything against spin off the back foot. And a couple of, of had had actually turned from Travis Head, and uh, he'd, he'd he'd almost mimicked to his partner David Miller down the other end. Oh, that's turning quite a bit. And then the next ball was pitched up a bit fuller, 
and he played for the turn and there wasn't any and he just missed a straight ball so and in fact the one the, the, the ball after that to Jan, to, to Marco Jansen did actually turn, did turn. and had him it got him in all sorts of of a pickle and he was out as well so it wasn't an easy pitch to to read the spinners on because some really turned a lot and others didn't turn very much and great credit to to David Miller for the innings he played he was looking for anything pitched in his arc against Zampa to put him over long on or deep mid-wicket and he hit some really tremendous blows against the spinners in particular and just kept the innings going throughout the the, the 50 overs. It, it, they did well in the end to to get over 200, uh, you know, totally due to him. And actually you mentioned Zampa there and that was one of the sort of odd things about the game really. You know, it was a pitch that really did help the spinners and Adam Zampa, who was the leading wicket taker in this competition until Shami nipped him with his seven uh, last night, actually had a bit of a shocker, didn't he? He went for 55 from his seven overs. He didn't, you know, didn't complete his 10 overs. You'd have thought on a surface like this, he would have been a banker. And that is a tribute actually to how well David Miller played against him. He pumped him for a couple of early sixes when he came on. He really got on top of him and he subdued Zampos. You know, South Africa won that battle. Zampa, 22 wickets uh, before uh, the start of this match, and he's still on 22 wickets. Power to add, of course, in the final. But they, you know, they they played him well, but it was the others that they they struggled against. But yeah, but yeah, really fine innings from from David Miller. So South Africa totaling 212, and we're now going to take a, a closer look at how. Australia turned the tables on South Africa and made more of the moments that mattered in today's game. This is a segment brought to you by IG. And defending 212 as, as a bowling team, you want to take early wickets. And they didn't come. In fact, the, the reverse happened. The ball started sailing over the boundary from both David Warner and Travis Head. Some extraordinary shots. I mentioned in my intro, gobsmacking. Uh, and there were a couple of shots, particularly from Warner, a pickup off Marco Janssen from about off stump over deep square leg, amazing shot. And then a couple down the ground, big sixes down the ground, both batsmen clearing one leg out of the way and just smiting it back over the bowler's head. And sixes resulted and suddenly they were cantering along at 10 and over. Yeah, that, that was, the I thought, really key moment in the game. How was Australia going to cope in that power play? And they decisively won the power play, didn't they? 74 for two after 10 overs for one team, 18 for two after 10 overs from the other. They took it on. They had a little bit of luck. There were a couple of outside edges that flew in the air wide of fielders. But it was that real commitment. I, mean, I suppose, you know, that comes back to your point. If South Africa had been a bit more positive uh, against Australia's bowlers at the start, then they might have got away. And it's slightly different, I suppose, when you know what you're chasing. 213 to win you know that if you get off to a good start you can take a huge and decisive chunk out of it and I think that's what Australia did you know they got ahead of the game and when the problems came later against the spin and there were problems for Australia later against the spin they had enough runs in the bank so it's my feeling throughout that although South Africa were putting pressure on Australia and they were losing wickets there was never a moment in the game were, well, certainly when Australia were batting, where I thought Australia were not going to get these runs. I mean, they made hard work of it, they made a meal of it, they, they sort of tiptoed over the line, but they always had a measure of control, and I think it was due to that power play. Travis Head, you know, excellent, really took it on, and Warner too, although he made 29, his contribution, absolutely uh, vital. They put on 60 for the first wicket inside seven overs, and, you know, they, and they, they knocked off a good portion of that target. A second sort of man of the match for me would have been Warner because although, as you say, he didn't make a big score, 
his contribution in the field in that first 10 over spell when Australia were bowling was incredible. He was jumping around like a spring chicken, saving runs. He must have saved, I don't know, 15 runs in the first five or six overs, diving around a a cover. Australia were were like vultures round the bat early on in the South African batting innings. And Warner's contribution there, he sort of very much led the show with his rolling stops and aggressive throwing, and he took one brilliant catch at backward point as well. Uh, generally, Australia's out cricket was outstanding, whereas when uh, South Africa were, were in the field, uh, it wasn't as a, it wasn't as compelling. The bowlers leaked runs, and they actually missed, I think, five chances of South Africa in the end, didn't they? At various points, some most of them quite tough. But when you're defending a low score, some of those have got to stick. Yeah, I, mean, I think most of the catches that went down were really difficult chances. I mean, the one that they, I thought they probably should have taken was Reza Hendricks fielding at deep backward point where he dived forward and away to his right-hand side. He only just come onto the field. is when Travis Head had 40, Head went on to make 62. So, you know, 22 runs there, you know, it cost South Africa. And you look at the final analysis, it was incredibly tight, wasn't it? Uh, you know, three-wicket win, Australia just creeping over the line. But that was the one I thought, and Hendricks is a good fielder as well, so that was the one I thought that you know could have been taken and it you know, might have been uh, slightly different. But they, a, a lot of them were really uh, tough chances. I mean, there was one to De Kock, wasn't there? It was a thick outside edge, hit him on the thigh. Well, you're probably not catching those as a, as a wicketkeeper. You know, the edge is too thick. It looks like a chance, but it, it's not really. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Australia were excellent in the field, and they were, and they really did support their bowlers in those opening overs. And I think there were, I counted four occasions where they saved boundaries. That was 16 runs. You know, it was a dot ball, but they dived and were fully committed to stopping the ball, and it prevented fours. And you know, in a tight game, that makes such a difference. So 60 for one when David Warner was out after 6.1 overs. That really was the, the, the crucial intervention by the Australian batsman in a a low run-scoring match. This segment was brought to you by IG. If you'd like to make more of opportunities to invest yourself, IG gives you access to thousands of global shares and ETFs, as well as a range of educational guides and daily market analysis. Go to ig.com slash investments to find out more. And remember, when investing, your capital is at risk. So although that was 60 for for one and a great start, (laughs) the, the innings, the Australian innings, did rather falter. Mitchell Marsh out for a duck, then Travis Head departed, then Labuschagne and, and Smith put together a sort of calming partnership, although there were one or two moments of alarm, and then Labuschagne escaped one close LBW, but then was dismissed uh, trying to reverse sweep, and he was out. And actually then, extraordinary, Glenn Maxwell, I mean, talk about gobsmacking, the innings he played against Afghanistan was one thing, his shot today was was quite another uh, trying to pull Shamsi over mid-wicket and he only just come in and the ball just skated through low and took out his leg stump. It looked a horrible dismissal, which I put on Twitter, actually, because his left leg pulled right out of the way. Uh, so it was almost facing mid-wicket when he tried to hit the shot. I said, actually, maybe he's better off <laughs> without being able to move his feet. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, well, was extravagant shots in the conditions against... A, a turning ball, Shamsi really got it to spin, Maharaj really got it to spin. I mean, he went to reverse slog sweep, his second ball, uh, Maxwell. He wasn't far away from being dismissed second ball, but he didn't last long. He was out for one, 137 for five, and he thought South Africa, yeah, back in the game again, but Smith was still there, and Inglis came in and, and played a, 
it's probably his most significant innings of the World Cup so far. He's had a difficult time of it, uh, averaging 18. He's dropped down the order, came in for Carey after one match. But his innings, you know, was also a really vital cog in, in, in Australia's victory, dismissed by a fabulous Yorker uh, from Kurt. So you'd have been proud of that in your career, wouldn't you, uh, Yoz, when you talk about, you know, bowling full balls towards the end of an innings and trying to, you know, take a player out? He, he was really impressive, wasn't he? I, I, I must admit, when I first saw Gerald Coates here uh, playing early in the tournament and actually uh, playing in, in some one-day internationals before this uh, World Cup, I thought he doesn't look that good. He looks a, a, a bit like a, a work in progress. He's obviously got some talent, lovely action, good physique, uh, cl- clearly a, a very uh, a passionate player but uh, and, and very athletic and strong. But I didn't think he had the, the skills necessarily to, to be able to take wickets. But he's been one of the leading wicket-takers in the tournament. He's done, in a way, what Liam Plunkett did for England four years ago. He's bowled in those middle overs, bowled a lot of short balls, a lot of cross-seam deliveries, taken a lot of wickets with his short ball and got the speed gun up to well over 90 miles an hour as well. I mean, that, that, that eight-over spell late in the match today was absolutely incredible the, the way he sustained his pace from round the wicket and lots of chin music to all the Australian batsmen. They all struggled to handle it. Smith clearly was disturbed by a serious bouncer and, and then premeditated uh, what he thought was going to be another bouncer and skied a catch uh, as a result of the, the, the aggression that, that Kutsia showed. So, you know, really outstanding spell, which didn't necessarily deserve to be on the losing side, and and then Australia, they, you know, English clean bowl by a Yorker, bringing Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummings, the old guard, together, and again the, the the cool heads just saw them home in singles. There was a couple of possible chances, a chip in the air that which just went wide of the bowler, and an edge that De Kock on another day would have caught. Uh, off Markham's spin, so you know, it was still in the balance, really, with only twelve to win. Uh, but the, the, in the end, South Africa just didn't have quite enough runs or quite the bowling potency to, to back up the spinners. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, Cummins and Stark—they've they've seen it a lot, haven't they? And I thought Stark was excellent. Just stay calm. Just played judiciously and same with Pat Cummins as well he's making a bit of a he's making a bit of a habit isn't he uh, Pat Cummins are doing this he did it at Edgbaston he did it with Glenn Maxwell he's done it here today you know he's a calming presence and I thought that partnership just steadied it all down and ticked although it took them a long time to, to get there but what was the objective it was to win the game it doesn't matter how you do it how many wickets you do it by and you know how many balls are left they they you know, they probably could have knocked it off uh, much earlier. I thought at one point we might be all over by seven o'clock. The game went to about ten past ten, but ultimately, you know, Australia got over the line to set up the, the second ever World Cup final between India and Australia. And I think you feel that if any team can take down this Indian side, it is probably Australia. I'm not saying they will. I think India will start the final as favourites. But if any team can, can do it, and if, if, if India are perhaps just a bit afraid of any team. It might be Australia. Um, you know they've hammered yeah. South Africa here at, at, at Kolkata, so that you know got one over South Africa. But Australia. It was a, quite a good tussle at the start of the tournament between uh, these two teams. Kohli played magnificently. Uh, okay, Rahul played magnificently. But if, if Marsh had caught Kohli, it'd have been 18 for four, chasing 200. It might, it might have been a very different game. So yeah, uh, yeah it's a World Cup final, it, uh, and it, it's right there should be a test uh, for India on Sunday. 
Yeah, and, and you feel that the reason why India would fear them or be apprehensive of them the most is because of that mental toughness which uh, uh, Australia show in these critical moments, which I suppose, is, you know, you partly uh, put down to experience. Five of the team that played today played in that 2015 final against New Zealand, and there's such a legacy of getting the team over that. If you even look back to, say, the 1987 World Cup final, which Australia won against England in Calcutta in, the, in, the, in your very venue, you know there were moments in that game where England just faltered and Australia capitalised, and the winning margin was, was less than 20 runs. But still, Australia managed to just hold their nerve. And that, that's, I think, what India will be most concerned or apprehensive about, is that... The fact that you know, Australia are like, with due respect, they're like a cockroach. You know, you've got to kind of crush them in so many. Have you ever tried to kill a cockroach? I mean, it's almost impossible. <laughs> I uh, have. And, and, and yeah. the same Australia, you know, when it's the ashes, you've got to prize every single fingernail off that urn to, to win it. Yeah. And the same with, with the World Cup, that, you know, even if they are not favourites, you are going to have to play your, bring your A-plus game to make sure you, you, you beat them because they're almost uncrushable. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and this is their eighth World Cup final. They are the most successful team in the history of the World Cup. India at home, we're going to have the blue, the blue wall. Um, well, it's more than a wall, actually. It's, all, it's a sort of whole ring road, really. <laughs> yeah, around, around that huge stadium in Ahmedabad. It'll be noisy, it'll be passionate, it'll be one-eyed. You know, the, the, the support, there'll be a bit of Australian support, but not very much. And Australia will have to deal with that. But you feel if there is a team that could can deal with it, then it might well uh, be Australia. So uh, you're off from Calcutta to Ahmedabad for the final. Uh, and how's it been in Calcutta? I mean, looked a, a tremendous occasion, uh, great crowd that were really in, into the both sides, even though probably each side didn't have a huge amount of their own supporters. But it was it was compelling and, and very well supported. Absolutely. I mean, I presume a lot of people bought tickets in the hope that it might be India-Pakistan in this semi-final. And, and if Pakistan had qualified, it would have been. So you sort of take a punt on that. But... You know, everybody turned up, or most people turned up uh, to watch. It was, it was quite thin at the start, but it takes a while to get in. But, um, yeah, a re really big and, and noisy crowd in. I think actually a few people took a view towards the end, and it did thin out a bit. Uh, you know, when Australia were five down and moving towards victory with uh, Smith and Inglis together, I think people thought, oh, yeah, Australia going to win. There's still a couple of twists to go, but ultimately I think they... You know, you know, they, they know their cricket here and they saw that Australia just had enough uh, to get over the line and take down South Africa. Another semi-final defeat for South Africa. But as I said at the start of this podcast, you know, this wasn't a choke from South Africa. They, they fought really hard. It was a, a real arm wrestle in Australia, as we suspected, actually, didn't we? You said we thought Australia was slight favourites. They came out on the right side of the arm wrestle. Well, through clenched teeth, I must say, well played to Australia. Commiserations to South Africa, who still haven't made it to the World Cup final for all sorts of reasons they have to try again in four years' time. but uh, so, so that's a real shame. But anyway, uh, a valiant effort to try and defend that score. Uh, a great effort by the South Africans. So it's India against Australia in the final on Sunday. Well, I suppose we could have predicted that almost from the outset. Really, they are the two best teams. And after the break, we're going to hear from some of the World Cup commentators, two Australians, an Indian and a New Zealander, about their favourite all-time World Cup moments.
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So there's been a stellar cast list of commentators on the TV coverage of this World Cup and I've encountered a number of them and thought that it would be nice to include in the podcast their favourite World Cup memories and also World Cup heroes. So here's a little selection uh, in connection with the final, uh, the India-Australia final. Uh, We have here World Cup favourite moments and heroes from firstly Matthew Hayden, then Aaron Finch, then... Sanjay Mandraker, the former Indian batsman and now well-respected commentator. And finally, of course, the inimitable Ian Smith. But first, here's the man everybody knows as Hados. And apologies for the rather syrupy background hotel music. Yeah, Andrew Simons, 2003 World Cup at uh, Wanderers Stadium in Joburg. We were four for 80-odd and looking in an impossible situation with a great Pakistani attack. Enter into the frame, Andrew Simons. Simo smashed 143, got us to 310, and that was one of those tricky World Cup moments that we avoided uh, defeat, and the rest is history. World Cup hero. For me, there's only really one World Cup hero, and that's Adam Gilchrist, especially in the 2007 World Cup. Unbelievable. Hadn't really scored a run in Gilly's standards. Came in against Sri Lanka and absolutely blasted the opposition. Actually, probably 2003 as well, he just completely annihilated Zahi Khan in the final as well. Dangerous player, absolute hero, genius actually in one day cricket. So what's your favourite World Cup memory, Vinci? My favourite World Cup memory is the 2015 World Cup final, MCG, 96,000 people uh, to win it after being really dominant throughout the tournament um, as a team. I think the expectation of us going into the tournament to win was high and to live up to that was brilliant. World Cup hero. World Cup hero Shane Warne. I think to 1999, uh, that semi-final against South Africa, uh, the Herschel Gibbs ball, which was uh, unbelievable, and how passionate he was was, I mean, that that was childhood dreams for me. Right, my favourite World Cup memory has to be as a player. There have been a few as a broadcaster. As a player, has to be that India-Pakistan match in Bangalore quarterfinals in the 1996, where. Um, I remember we took the lap, you know, warm-up lap before the match of the ground and the crowd was already there very early before the match and the kind of support that we got from the crowd, you know, I felt it's impossible for Pakistan to beat us here to the kind of atmosphere that, atmosphere that we had. And in the end, we won the game. Pakistan was the strongest side, but we beat them. And that has to be like the most favorite memory of mine. Because I remember going out in the town after the match 
and it's like the gods had descended from the heaven the kind of reception we got everywhere world cup hero uh it has to be Mahendra Singh Dhoni and Imran Khan. I, I'm going to mention two because captains have a huge role to play in a high-profile tournament. And what these guys did in 1992 and 2011, I mean, single-handedly with their leadership and everything else, won their teams the World Cup. Favourite World Cup moment, go back to 1992. Opening game, New Zealand versus Australia, Eden Park. Martin Crowe lighting up the World Cup. He ended up being player of the tournament, but he scored 100 against Australia, which set up a great victory and got New Zealand on the road. I was part of that, I remember it well, and it is a very fond memory. World Cup hero. World Cup hero for me. Brendan McCullum. Why? Not for any one performance, but for attitude, for determination, for excellence, and for transforming 50 over cricket into a spectacle throughout the whole game. Brendan McCullum. Yeah, well, it's hard to argue with that. Smithy saying that Brendan McCullum has changed the face of 50 over cricket, and I totally agree with that. Actually, the New Zealanders generally have had a fantastic influence. I was at the 1992 World Cup, which Smithy talks about there as well, watching that, and New Zealand actually set the tone of that with pinch hitters like Mark Greatbatch and opened the bowling with spin, Dipak Patel setting a couple of men back on the boundary for spin, which never been done before in the power play. So they've always tend to be quite innovative, uh, the New Zealanders, and Brendan McCullough certainly was in the vanguard of that. Uh, I suppose the way he played in that first ever IPL 2008 match in Bangalore when he got 158 not out and hit 13 sixes. I was that that as well. Uh, and I think he has certainly changed the game in 50 over cricket and he's brought that into uh, test cricket, of course, as well. I think they need a bit of that, didn't they? They needed a bit of that baseball to really reinvigorate their one-day performances, but it wasn't to be. OK, well, thanks very much to all those commentators, Matthew Hayden, Aaron Finch, Sanjay Mandraker and Ian Smith, they'll all be in action at the final on Sunday. So you'll hear from all of them again during that match. And we'll be back at the end of that final to bring you a review of the World Cup final itself. There are plenty more World Cup favourite moments and heroes on my Instagram feed, Cricket Analyst One, helpfully edited by my daughter Nancy, actually, which you can enjoy if you go onto my Cricket Analyst One Instagram feed. And I should also just mention the latest episode of Storylines podcast, our sister podcast, presented by Melissa Story and Nikki Chowder, which has a fascinating interview with Sonia Twig, the PA correspondent for cricket and also Premier League football, just about the hurdles and difficulties that female sports writers have had to overcome over the years and actually the fun they have in their job as well. That's a really revealing interview, Storylines the podcast about women's cricket. As I say, we'll be back on Sunday. Looking forward to that. This episode was brought to you in association with IG Trading and Investments. If you're thinking about investing in stocks and shares with IG, please remember your capital is at risk. The value of investments can go up or down and you could get back less than you invest. For more information, go to ig.com investments. Thanks for listening. Speak to you on Sunday.
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.